Hello, and welcome to You Should Hear This, a podcast for the everyday association professional. I'm Nick Estrada, your host. In the association world, we often speak about risk from the perspective of getting our boards to be bigger risk takers. We spend countless hours pulling the appropriate information to help them make the best decisions they can at the time. However, we don't typically think about our own risk-taking when it comes to our careers. We know the current climate of the workforce means there are a variety of opportunities, but each of these movements comes with a varying level of risk. How do we assess risk, gather the right information, and ultimately make the best decision we can? Our guest today is here to help us think about these things. Our guest is Corey Martin, MPA, CAE, owner and CEO of the association management company, Mission Control. He began his career in associations with Talkeva Epsilon Fraternity Headquarters and then became the executive director of the Indiana State Police Alliance. As the alliance transitioned from a captive staff model to an AMC model, Corey saw an opportunity to found Mission Control in 2021. Mission Control has expanded its client base and now includes clients from varying industry verticals. Corey also currently serves as a member of the ISE Board of Directors and a member of the Indiana Criminal Justice Institute's Board of Trustees. Welcome, Corey. Thank you, Nick. Well, we are excited to have you here today um, You know, to talk about, I think, this topic that many of us probably think about but don't always act on. Um, but before we get into that, do you mind just telling us a little bit about your association journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, very uh, early on in my career, at least, I was one of the rare ones who, who knew exactly what I wanted to do when I was in college. And a lot of that, and I'll say it for the rest of my career, a lot of that is due to, to Tim Murphy quite frankly. So Tim was a mentor of mine, a fellow fraternity brother of mine, and, and kind of just opened the door to the industry through his, his eyes. And he's got, you know, an, an incredible background in that. And then of course, through him meeting Leslie and together sharing their passion for the industry got me interested in it. So as you mentioned, shortly after graduating, uh, actually two days after graduating my undergrad, I was pulled onto the Teak staff and uh, sent on the road as a, a any money anyone who's in that industry can appreciate uh, you are a road warrior by definition and so 90 plus percent of my time was spent on the road traveling school to school and I loved every minute of it and so as many can imagine uh, that is not for everyone for a long-term career and so we both can certainly appreciate that uh, it, it transitioned after about five years which seems to be a pretty pretty normal shelf life in that industry. And I knew that I wanted to to take a risk, speaking of our, our topic here, and and jump into the uh, executive level of, of leading an association. And so luckily, I've, I found a board that, that believed in me, and that's going to be the, a little bit of the theme of my dialogue today is belief and trust in others. Uh, I found that with the state police, and and they pulled me into their their uh, organization and, and allowed me to lead their organization. So I've been doing that since 2017. So, and then, as you mentioned, we've navigated through different variables throughout the, the last five years, but uh, here we are today. And uh, last year I started mission control and uh, today now we're, we're growing and moving into this next phase of post pandemic and uh, really lo- looking forward to it. So excited to be on the podcast. Yeah. And like I said, we're excited to have you. I, can attest to the experience in the, the fraternal realm. And I would agree with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's not for everyone, but I do think it provides a quite a wide variety of experiences that allow folks like yourself, right, to move forward into um, some great opportunities. So, um, as you know, as we think about risk and, you, you know, you talk about that risk of leaving a role, right? How do you define risk? And I know that might be broad, but generally, right, how would you say this is a risk when you look at it? 
Yeah, I've put a lot of thought into that. And I, I actually have been listening to more and more podcasts, including this one. And so from podcasts, a lot of people bring up quotes. And I think a quote that has really stuck to me, and especially in raising a family, I'll mention that a couple of times, I'm sure uh, having a son a couple of years ago changed my perspective on life as it does for a lot of people. And I think Jordan Peterson said it well in, in raising a child and a, a child taking risks. Jordan Peterson says that children learn by doing dangerous things carefully. And so I took that into my, my professional side and really thought about that more and unpacked it. And that's exactly the, the, the theme of, of my career is being able to do dangerous things carefully. And danger can not just be as its definition, but it can be the unknown. It can be a computer program you've never been in before. Jump in, make sure you save your work, take the risk of learning it. And, and trial and error. And before you know it, you're, you're pretty good at it. And, and that theme transcends into so many other verticals that we do in association management and, and running businesses. And I think understanding that and feeling comfortable by taking on those new challenges really is a fulfilling moment in your career. And, and you learn so much in such a short amount of time by being able to take on those, those risks and, and do them carefully. I really like that phrase and that, that thinking there. Um, about how to approach that. So how do you get yourself? Because I think that quote, you need a specific mindset to approach work in that way, right? I think we've got a lot of folks who are probably um, mistake averse, right? And I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to have something go wrong. So how do we get ourselves into a mindset that we can do things carefully, um, but that thing, again, those doing dangerous things carefully, how do we get there? Yeah, I really, it's, it's trusting people in that process. And so I think Nobody should navigate risk and taking chances on their own, whether that's in your personal life with a partner that you entrust with, if it's uh, engaging in family and friends or professional relationships and, and leaders within a company. I think entrusting people and, and knowing that, that they're there to pick you up if you fail and most likely when you fail. Uh, to be able to to brush you off and and let you learn from your mistakes, uh, that's the the greatest. Uh, space to to work within to take risks and understand, but it also not only you're getting through it physically, but mentally. That's the biggest element. And like you said, it's it's definitely a, a psychological shift to be able to to take on those risks. And it's it's so easy to live comfortably. It's so easy to just show up to work and do your job, and and before you know it, that's that's your routine. And I I thought about this too. Uh, that. To me, my mindset shift has has happened over the last couple of years where to me, work is a stop along the path through your day, not the destination. And I really believe that. And so I'm able to have that mindset shift that it's okay if you fail and take risks in your day-to-day -day work because it's going to be there tomorrow, but there's so many other things that you can go to. And so for us in our culture here, it's you know, the, the core hours of your day between 10 and three, that's work. And that's going to be there. And that's what we're, we're doing. That's, that's the space that we're within, but how you got to it and where you're going after is, is your journey and your path. And so everybody's is different. Everybody has a different path when you leave this place. And so, uh, you know, that mindset shift though, really helps when you have supportive people around you, whether that's personal and professional. And when both are there, and you have people supporting you at the workplace when you get home uh, on the weekends and in your social environment, you are living a really thorough life if you can pull all those together. And so uh, I really believe that. So a lot of it is is just the people that have been around me to be able to, to let me take risks and coach me through those risks and then uh, be able to 
to celebrate when you you finally get it right and you 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 figure out that that risk uh, paid off. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Building that support team around you is going to be a key key component, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. Yeah. How to how to identify those people and and make sure that you are in that supportive environment. As we as we think about kind of the current em- employment climate, right? Like I feel like I'm constantly hearing right now, or I'm seeing all over LinkedIn, right? Like I got a new job, I got a new job, I got a new yeah. job. Uh, I'm going to guess you you will agree with this, um, but you know I think people are willing to take more risks right now um, than maybe they have in the past, especially around employment. Um, so curious if is that something you think you're also seeing right now about risk taking, and and why do you think? more people right now, especially, you know, the pandemic's maybe, I'm not going to say over, but we're getting back to some normalcy maybe, right, around what this looks like. Why do we think more people are, are taking those risks around their careers? Yeah, I absolutely see it every single day. And I'm the same with you. I've been consuming a lot of content on LinkedIn, and it seems like one out of every three posts on the feed is celebrating a new job, which is fantastic. And, and it's the climate that we're in. I think a lot of that is due to the societal norm shift from from the pandemic, quite frankly. And I think as a society, we had no choice but to shift to a model of working from home and using technology and communicating better, but also understanding that you can multitask from home. You can be on a Zoom call and have a load of laundry being done, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, also doing dishes, having the dishwasher run. So you could really do multiple things at once and, and not have to come home and do those, those tasks when you're, when you're done. So I think that societal shift has allowed people to understand that there's other opportunities out there if your current place of employment doesn't allow you to, to live the life that you want. And so I think a lot of employers are adapting to that. And if they're not, they they'll be forced to because everybody's going to leave. And so I think too that from a risk standpoint, uh, understanding that a well-rounded training model and that support system of a company is really enticing to actually jump industries. I think, and I obviously don't know. I uh, can't speak on the work climate eighty years ago, sixty years ago, fifty years ago, forty years ago, but I can I can do research and at least uh, try to guess. But this shift of complete industry shifts is the biggest that I've at least ever seen. We're dealing with it within the associations we manage. And one in particular that I've been involved in, as as I've said before, the State Police Alliance. Being a state trooper and a, a police officer is a very specific profession. And we are seeing people in record numbers leave the profession to, to go do something that they, they've never done before. Uh, for instance, we had two people leave in the last month to go be crane operators they're making more money. They have free time on their weekends. They're able to work overtime. And it's while it's a crane operator and that's, that's not safe to everybody, it's a little bit safer for a police officer. And so, uh, but that is a big shift where they knew going into it, they'd get exceptional training. They knew that they wouldn't be failing if they went through that training process and they took that risk to go do it. But both are very satisfied. So we had, a, we have a, an, an offboarding process for our membership groups and, and that was one where I got to talk to one of the crane operators. He's extremely happy in his decision to, to make that shift. And so I think that we're going to see more and more of that of people not just leaving for a, a lateral move or leaving within the industry, but complete industry changes because it's the societal norm that we've created that it's okay to leave and, and go find something that just better suits your life at the time. So um, it is very relevant right now. That is for sure. Well, and I think some of what you're hitting on there too, right, is 
the risk of also not doing something. And I think that's something we probably don't spend a lot of time talking about either. I think we're constantly thinking, what is the risk if I do this thing, right? But in your your scenario there, right, the risk of, in their minds maybe, right, of mm-hmm. staying in their current role meant a risk of fewer times with my family, fewer personal opportunities. Um, so it's not always just going to be about a career risk. Um, but I do think that that's an interesting thought and not something I would have really been thinking about, right? The risk of doing nothing, um, yeah. I think is something that's real as well. You're spot on. So as uh, you know, we transition here uh, for a moment to talk a little bit about you then um, and some of the risks you've taken. I'm curious, what's what would maybe you define as one of the biggest or most significant risks you've taken in your career so far? Yeah, I think early on, at least when I was at Teak, taking a role that I knew that I wasn't qualified for at the time, but the people that trusted me and believed in me thought that I was fit for that role. And only I could really determine if I was ready for it. So I got the role, uh, was in the role for a couple of months and just realized that I, I wasn't ready at that time for the role. And so luckily I had people around me that supported me and, and knew that and understood it and gave me the space to learn from that experience. But in that moment, it's how I bounced back and was able to accept that defeat because I, I cared so much. I still do. A lot of us do that. You know, our, our career is, is a lot to us. Some people it's not, but some people it is. And for me, it, it is definitely very important to me. And so early on, I was devastated at the time and it's by, by far the biggest learning curve for me of, you know, having success in college and having success early in my career and then jumping to a, a position in your early twenties and failing. It's a, it's a complete shock. It's a punch to the gut, but it's necessary to grow from and learn from, because I don't know of any successful person who's had it easy their entire life. There's, there's work behind it and there's defeats behind it. And so that was one of the early defeats for me, uh, but being able to bounce back and learn from it and grow I would never have been able to get an executive director role, not having that experience of, of failing early. And so I, I definitely, definitely chalk it up to, to that experience to, to propel my career later. Uh, and then certainly last year, uh, taking the risk of, of starting a company during the pandemic, um, that was, was absolutely massive. And so, you know, a lot of that, again, draws back to supportive people around me, family, a wife that said, go for it. Absolutely. Go for it. And, and clients that, that said, yes, um, we, we will absolutely support you in that. And so what I, what I also found was within the industry, not knowing if people would put up a wall and treat me as a competitor or things like that, the complete opposite happened. I had people wrap their, their arms around me and say, what do you need? What, what resources can we provide to, to propel you? Because a healthy mission control and a healthy team at Mission Control is healthy for the industry because what I've been able to do now, and I just got a text from Rob Riggs, by the way, if he's going to listen in from this, uh, talking to Rob about different different things and sharing ideas and concepts and being meeting with Tim and Leslie and, and going over things. I mean, that's been the biggest eye-opener for me or, or just it's the support around people and the passion we all have for our industry. It's not like every association is managed and there's no new associations ever going to get created again and membership's perfect and all that, right? We're, we're in that space to where every association needs help at any given point. And there is so much help needed that we all just need to band together and, and be a champion for the industry and, and create the healthiest industry possible as a, as a group of people. So 
that was the biggest eye opener for me. And once I figured that out early on, I knew that I made the right decision and, and that risk paid off. And, uh, right now it's, it's just looking, looking ahead for the future and, and really coming out of a pandemic and, and looking at the industry as a whole and how can we all support it, grow it and expand it and, and educate more people on the, the wonders of our profession. <laughs> yeah, I think again, right there, a resounding theme of the supportive individuals around you. And mm-hmm. yeah, I do think we're, I mean, maybe somewhat of a unique industry in that, yeah, I don't know that we immediately go to everyone's a competitor, right? I do think that yeah. there are industries absolutely where that would be <laughs> the case. If you'd broken away, everybody would have said never speak to him again. But I think instead right. we are unique, I think, in that sense that if you're right, if you're not strong, then there's something potentially wrong with the industry. Um, and I think that that's a, a key thing for us, which I think helps in being able to take some risks in our space. So as you approached uh, maybe both of those, and maybe there's a different thought process that went along with each of these, you know, but how, how did you think about the risk for each of these? How did you, you know, did you build a pro con list? Did you, you know, who did you talk with? You know, what did that look like as you started to process? Cause I think anytime, right. That somebody has a risk in front of them, there is a decision that has to be made. And again, maybe that is an inaction, right? I don't do anything, Um, but how do I make that decision? What's that thought process look like for you? Yeah, I think it it comes back to that supportive team of people. And for me, getting into that mindset shift of, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this jump. It is, it was talking to people that didn't know what a nonprofit was, let alone association management. I think that was huge for me of, friends that that have no idea what I do on a day-to-day basis, but know me as a person. And, and I could talk to them about my feelings and just be, be open about that in a comfortable space where they're not critiquing my moves technically because they don't know what that looks like. That was huge for me. So that's a huge, huge suggestion that I have to anybody listening is don't always just go to the comfortable people that know what you're talking about. Feel free to go to people that, that you're, that are supportive that will treat you as the human that you are and not the professional that you are. And you'll learn so much from that experience. And you'll take that advice to heart because it's, it's about you as a person, not just you as a professional. So that was huge for me is, is just having those conversations with people and, and understanding what, uh, what I needed to do as a person before I could focus on being the professional I wanted to be. It was huge. Yeah, that sounds great. And I think that harkens actually back to an older conversation we had about mentorship um, on the podcast of, you know, finding those outside folks, you know, if you're constantly just talking to association professionals, I think we get ourselves into kind of a, a circular conversation where that's all we can, we can focus on. Yeah. As you, you know, have moved on in your career, and I think are maybe now in a place to mentor others or to coach others around decisions and risk, you know, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's maybe in that spot trying to make a decision on a risk, um, but might be a little too scared to maybe push forward with that decision? It's tough because I think I had a professor in, it was really senior year, and I wish I had this professor freshman year at IEPUI. And it was a fundraising course that I took, but he, every class, he, he taught us about just little life skills and little tips and tricks and things that I learned so much from him as just a mentor. But one of the biggest things he he said and, and opened my eyes to was in, in school growing up, we, we learned to read and to write and to critically think, but very few courses, if any, ever teach you how to, how to listen, how to actively listen to people. And so to answer your question, I think it's listening to those people and not just immediately 
giving them the the answer they want or trying to to compare things or or talk about a path that they should walk, but just listening to them because a lot of people just need that. A lot of people just need to talk about the risks that they're scared about taking. They're not really seeking advice. They just want a sounding board. So being able to just be a sounding board and, and listen to them, they, they're going to find the advice by talking it out a lot of times. And they're going to figure out that as a person, I'm scared of taking this risk, but now that I've talked to you a couple times, I can do this. And they just needed that sense of self-encouragement. And then you say, yeah, absolutely. I thought that when you first came to me, but now after 10 times, let's go, let's go, let's, let's walk this journey together. And so I think that's huge for a leader to not just think that they know everything and for them to bring ideas to the table, just listen. Cause if somebody comes to you, that's what they're, that's what they're wanting. They're wanting somebody that they can talk to and not always just get the right answer. Um, just being able to, to, to expound on things and, and to, to talk through it is success and enough for, for a conversation like that. So that's my big piece of advice. Great. Thank you. For someone who is maybe in a moment where, um, you know, maybe it's a job offer, maybe it's a promotion at their current job, maybe it's an industry shift as you, you know, we talked about is happening a lot more often right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's a personal risk, right? Maybe it's, you know, I don't even know, uh, but something at home, right. (laughs) Um, That could uh, be challenging them right now. Is there, you know, maybe some, a few steps from your perspective that someone can take to kind of break down that risk into something that is more manageable, right? Easier to understand or analyze. Cause I think sometimes, right. When we say I'm going to take a new job, well, that's seems really big, right? That's a, that's a lot of change potentially all at once. Um, you know, but what are maybe the things that they could break down that decision into some smaller things that make it easier to absorb? Yeah, I think everybody's different, but I talked about it this morning, actually, in a meeting, and I, I think that my mindset shift, and this is actually somebody who taught me this at Teak, uh, Greg Greg Roscoff, who's still at Teak. Um, Greg does the block and tackle method for his day-to-day, and and I adapted that, and I use it still today, and so if Greg's listening, uh, thank you for that. But he he taught me to, to block and tackle my time to where I look at my calendar, I block off things and I tackle it. When I talk to other people, sometimes they need that advice, just that that technical term to really identify that that's what they need to do in their personal life and their private life is block off time, tackle a project, move on to the next thing. And I think when looking at risk or looking at, at the mindset shift of, of possibly taking a career shift, if you can look at whatever your process is and identify what that is. It'll help you in your personal life and your professional life to be able to to take risks and and step outside of your comfort zone and identifying that once you get your house in order in your personal life, it's so much easier to do things in your professional life and and vice versa. And so, you know, that that mindset shift really helps when you have some sort of a structure. Not everybody's the same. Not everybody can focus in that that blocked off time, but uh, whatever works for people. Uh, when you find it will, will lead you to take risks and take and have success and other things as it, it transcends beyond the professional life into your personal life. And again, vice versa. Yeah. And I think you, you know, you've already hit on to, right. So I think if folks are in a position like this, be thinking about who are those trusted folks that they can speak with. Absolutely. Um, I think actually being able to break down those conversations, I think is helpful. And to your point, I think a lot of the times people already know what they want to do. Um, I think that there is this hesitancy to just make a decision sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if they're blocking and tackling, if they're talking without talking it through with other people, right. I think they're 
looking oftentimes for a reason to keep them. Um, you mentioned, right, not wanting to get uncomfortable sometimes. And I think taking a risk makes you uncomfortable. Um, and so I think a lot of times we're, we're looking for a reason to make us uncomfortable. Um, and sometimes that takes some convincing for ourselves. Most definitely. Most definitely. It's amazing what you would, you talk yourself into, right? Whether it's in the car in the mirror, whatever it is. And when you're talking to somebody and you're actually with a live person that's listening to you, especially somebody you can trust, it is amazing what you can accomplish once you get that, that fulfillment of, of a decision you've made. It's pretty, pretty neat. Absolutely. So if you could give yourself, um, your younger self, not that you're old, but your younger <laughs> self, some advice for your career path, you know, looking today where you are and where you've gone, what would that advice be? It's a great question. I, I, I really have enjoyed the path that I've taken thus far. And, and I, I don't believe looking at every stop along the way, I really don't believe I would have done anything differently because I learned from things as I, as I went through it. And I think if, if anything, it would have been, it would have been to, to enjoy the moments when they're happening. Cause I, I look at it now and I think even my time at Teak, when we had, you know, super long nights, we call them conversions at Teak. And so they're nights where you're working until midnight, sometimes converting, uh, you know, perspective members into members and you're converting metrics to, to achieve your quarterly goals, things like that. Uh, those nights were long. And a lot of times we're looking ahead to just going to bed and waking up the next day. But in those moments, those are some of the neatest moments of, of working as a team and working with your best friends and people that, you know, are, are going to be in your wedding and, and enjoying birthdays for your kids and all that stuff. And so, but working in that environment with those people, um, it, enjoying those moments. And so we still, I, I try to do that now, even with our team at Mission Control of in the moment, it's work and, and we're, we're kind of grinding through it. Right. But uh, trying to stop and enjoy what we're doing. Cause even I think of a conference, I was, I was talking to, to Callie this morning about, she went to a conference for a client in Savannah. It's like, you're in Savannah, Georgia. You're not in Indianapolis. It was snowing that day here. Enjoy your time. Like be able to stop in the moment and enjoy what you're doing, where you're at, because otherwise it's just going to be so fast and, and you're going to, you're going to be back in Indiana, right? Doing the same thing. So uh, that's probably the biggest advice I would give my, my younger self is, is feel free to just stop and enjoy the, the journey a little bit more uh, as you work through some things, because it's, uh, you can really enjoy your time if you, if you unpack it a little bit more. Yeah, I appreciate that advice. I, I would concur, I think, right? Like when I look back, there are so many good memories from my professional career um, alongside my personal life, right? You know, I don't think those two things are completely separate. Uh, and I think that those are key things to, to remember. And you're right, it is hard when you're in the moment to remember maybe or, or to recognize how important um, some of those moments may be. So as we wrap up just kind of our, our discussion today, any, any final pieces of advice, any um, tidbits of information that maybe around risk-taking, risk calculation, risk analysis, that you might leave our listeners with? Yeah, I mean, it's relevant to associations, but I think more so now than ever, I've found there really is an association for absolutely everything. And so if you are thinking of taking a risk, while I'd love for people to stay in in our, our industry, I think you can still do that by exploring associations for whatever profession you're interested in. And so whatever it may be, identify an association relative to that and go to a social event, reach out to their staff, get more information and, and go through the association first because you're going to find out so much information 
And you're going to be able to immediately identify if that is a good fit for you in your next career move, whether it is tech or finance or, or anything uh, along that, that same vein. I think using associations can really help you identify your next passion and, and of course, keep you in our industry. So uh, that is my biggest piece of advice. Well, great. Thank you, Corey. I, I really appreciate you being here with us today and, and spending some time with us to talk about this topic. Um, if folks are interested in getting in contact with you, how might they be able to find you on uh, the internet or via email? Yeah, yeah. So our website is missioncontrolhq.com. Uh, and, and my email is always open at cmartin at missioncontrolhq.com. And we're on social media uh, as well at, at Mission Control HQ. Well, thank you so much again yeah. for being here. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. We hope you enjoyed this episode of You Should Hear This. If you have any questions you'd like answered or future topics you'd like us to explore, please send us an email at info at isae.org.